Welcome to The Real Enneagram, A Spiritual Quest, brought to you by the Institute for Conscious Being. Join us as we experience the vital teachings of Enneagram expert Dr. Joseph Howell, clinical psychologist and author of Becoming Conscious, The Enneagram's Forgotten Passageway. Relax as you are taken beyond personality typing to The Real Enneagram, The Spiritual Development of the Soul. Welcome back to a podcast entitled The Real Enneagram. A spiritual quest. Thank you for joining us today. We had a really great podcast last week. We talked about resilience in the Enneagram, and I thought it was really good. Got a lot of good feedback about it. And this week, we are going to talk about something equally uh, deep and um, feel like that a lot of people want to hear this from you, Dr. Howell, and I know I do. Uh, So this week, we're going to talk about the pain body. And so first, if you would, why don't you give us an introduction to that? I think a lot of us get lost in uh, some of the work of Eckhart Tolle. And so I'd love for you to break it down for us. Sure. Um, Well, the pain body is described beautifully um, by Eckhart Tolle. Um, in um, his work, A New Earth. Um, the uh, pain body is, a, is a, um, actually a psychological structure within the body, the mind, and the emotions that um, is uh, the burden and negativity carried around by human beings. Now, you may ask, how does one get their pain body? And the answer is that we collect pain during our life because of losses and tragedies and because of um, hurts and wounds that we sustain. But there is another type of inherited pain that we have and it is within our own DNA Um, we if you can just imagine came from every one of us a birth mother who came from a birth mother who had a birth mother and the line of succession goes back to the beginning of our species All of the pain that was placed in the bodies of these mothers and fathers of ours stays with the body in its line of succession. This is to say that when a person is in a terrible trauma, that it actually alters their chemical and DNA structure. Scientifically proven, we have um, information from the children of survivors of the Holocaust who have the same amount of stress hormone, abnormal amounts in their bodies as did their parents. 
um, cortisol is that stress hormone. Uh, likewise, studies have been done on basically on rats that were made absolutely anxious by being placed in mazes where they were shocked in intervals and at places in the maze that the rat could not make sense of. He could not avoid the random shocks. And as a result, he went into great or she would go into anxiety and then ball up in withdrawal. The offspring of those rats and mice also had the same levels of the stress hormone and were exhibiting, even after birth, anxiety behaviors. Now, these biological carryovers, we have from our ancestries. The good thing is we also have the joys. We have the wonderful feelings of birth and courtship and love and nurturance and joy and all of the beautiful gifts that we know are part of the experience of humanity. So when we are born, we're not born necessarily damaged because we have the counterpoint to the negativity, which is all the positives. But the pain body can get a lot of attention, especially if one's attention is focused on it. And for some reason, some people have heavier pain bodies simply because they have uh, unconsciously promoted the heaviness of the pain they carry. And if they have had true tragedies early in life, they have had extra burdens on the front end which have made them believe that life is a very tough and difficult thing to go through. Therefore, they resemble people, like I mentioned last week in our podcast, who have PTSD. They can resemble PTSD people um, because they themselves are always expecting the other shoe to drop or something horrible to happen, and they live in a life of pain and hypervigilance. So the concept here is that you are born, you can be born with a pain body. Yes. And it comes from who you come from, generations and generations and generations. But that pain body can, can grow when you give attention to it. Absolutely. And it can become our life if the ego attaches to it. Because the ego is always looking for more me. It, and Eckhart t- points this out. Every bit of identity that an ego can add to itself builds the ego and makes it more of the central powerhouse of the human being, which eventually leads the human being to being their own god. So an example of that, would that be someone who says, well, I'm just a stressed out person. That's who I am. 
Yes, and let me tell you about how stressed I am. And let me show you the scars of my last operation. And let me go over all my meds with you. And let me tell you how horrible a certain um, time in the hospital was for me. And, and I haven't slept a full night in tw- 27 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, that mouths actually drop at hearing these painful stories and the shock value and the pity and the attention people receive uh, reinforces the ruminations about how painful their lives are and it adds to their ego so the ego is building itself by attaching itself to this pain body yes it goes something like this I'm right, and I tell you that I'm in more pain than anybody you've ever met. That would be how a one ego would do it. A two ego could do this. No matter how much I give and how much I just on on my knees for other people, that I'm in so much pain that you wouldn't believe it. I don't even talk about it much to the people I give to. Um, A three, Um, uh, I am successful over my pain because I have found ways to manage it. And I want to talk to you about these wonderful ways that I'm managing it. But you see, the rumination is still about the pain. The identity is still about the pain. And we can go all around the Enneagram speaking about how the ego attaches to pain to make the ego defenses even more prominent and give more identity for the ego. And I'm guessing this pain can be more than just physical pain. Yes, it's emotional pain too. Um, You know, uh, this isn't proven, but there are writings that associate the... um, difficulties of Native Americans with their own inner turmoil and the high, for example, rate of addiction within their beautiful ethnic community, um, that it could be a result of the atrocities that were perpetrated against them. Um, and they're carrying a pain body. Yes. Uh, and or, or could be. It's a true pain body um, that um, has not yet had its healing. Um, the Trail of Tears. Can you imagine the devastation of watching your elderly parent not be able to walk and having to leave them behind? children dying in childbirth on that trail of tears and this was just 200 years ago can you imagine the devastation of slaves on ships being um, handcuffed to the floor of slave ships next to other slaves and they're lying in their own excretion Mm -hmm. and watching some of them die 
and being thrown overboard. Mm-hmm. Uh, that can affect a collective. Generations later. Yes. It's, uh, it becomes in the body. Now, there is also joy. So, we have to look at the pain body as like resilience. We have to look at it as an actual entity, but that we have the power within us to transcend it. And that is doing away with the ego's promotion of the pain body as part of our identity. How does one do that? One becomes conscious of their ego and what their ego is trying to say and what their ego is pulling in as being who me is. And we have to say to ourselves, how much joy has my ego identified with? How much healing, how much wholeness, how much celebration, how much wonder and awe has my ego been able to bring in to its existence? And how much does it talk about that? And if we get into joy and celebration and beauty, we must get into the infinite soul, which is the way in our bodies and minds and hearts this joy is stored. imagine one who is experiencing this pain body and they want don't want to be like this they want to become conscious and they want to remember the joy and that sort of thing if they're amongst a group of people who also have this type of pain body they may not it may not be easy to rise above that and to quit complaining or to quit focusing on those things and to focus on the joy and the um, the positive aspects of our genealogy. Yes, because collectives can also have a collective pain body. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, and they reinforce. They could reinforce each other. Um, How do you know if you have a pain body? Like, Does everyone have a pain body? Everyone has a potential one because everyone has DNA. Um, and they have inherited hurt. And they have real hurt in their lives. The issue is how much attention are we going to give it? How much do we focus on it? And how much do does the ego attach to it to make more me? So if you're listening to this podcast and you're trying to determine... If you have a pain body, because this is deep stuff, this is this is not easy to just you don't go oh yeah I've got this figured out. I mean I I guess if you're experiencing angst and you're suffering, then it's time to take a look. And if you want to talk about it a lot, if this has become part of who you are, mm-hmm. uh, that there's a lot of um, there's an expression that sums it up, and everyone's heard it. And the expression is, this hurts so good. Mm -hmm. It's 
deriving pleasure from pain and uh, borderlines on masochistic behavior, self-flagellation, hurting in order to have an identity built around hurt, when there are tremendous other identities that we can have that aren't built around hurt. Yeah, I see it all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, somebody is given a diagnosis and that become they become the diagnosis. I actually work for a physician who says, you are not your diagnosis. There's a person under that diagnosis. And I think that's really profound for a lot of people to think, oh, wait a minute, I'm not my heart disease or I'm not my vascular disease or cancer or whatever. But when you take that on as your own identity, mm-hmm. I guess here we have the pain body. Yes. The pain body becoming the identity, and it feeds on itself. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a family member uh, who I remember as a child whose husband uh, left her, and she became, after that, um, a person who went to bed and never got out of bed until she died 25 years later. Um, her pain body uh, was fixated on and became who she was to the point that she literally became disabled, um, uh, disabled to live life normally again. Part of that was uh, her ego saying, I'll protect you, let's go to bed. Let's sleep and we will uh, avoid... um, the tragedy, and we will um, wrap ourselves in our pain. Meanwhile, she's wasting away. Yes, she wasted away. I remember she would smoke Viceroy cigarettes. I don't think they even make those anymore. And uh, smoke one after the other. Uh, And when she got into her worst stages in the bed, um, uh, I remember... uh, that that she would bring her fingers to her mouth as if she had a cigarette and she would puff on the air simply because she was so in the motor memory of smoking so repeatedly that she smoked even without cigarettes. She became her pain body. Wow. And... Would this also be true of uh, people who are caught into a cycle of poverty where, you know, I've just seen so many able-bodied people that just don't, they just have decided they don't, they're poor, they come from poor people, they don't have money, they don't have enough. Is that also a pain body or is it just more of an emotional, physical thing? I would say that if anybody on any um, uh, socioeconomic level identified with lack, then they're going to suffer lack. There are many, many wealthy people who identify with lack that they're always finding ways to secure their holdings because they are in the fear that lack which they fear is going to happen again or happen to them. So lack 
and the identification with it as being part of who I am can dominate people's lives uh, on any socioeconomic level. And the the way to deal with this is the same as anything else is to be is to increase your consciousness. Absolutely, um, the the awareness of the distortions of reality that our ego puts us in is one huge help. That's where the Enneagram comes in. Because those nine strategies for how to deal with life, they're all distortions of reality. And um, that's a that's a whole other topic, distortions of reality uh, from that. But the pain body is another distortion of reality if one decides that pain and the nurturing of pain is who they are. That completely cuts them off from their soul. Wow, okay. So what, what, is, what, what are the steps to remove yourself from that? First is the consciousness that one is identified primarily with pain. And then so you have to recognize it you've first. Got to. How can you? Right. They're, I'd like to read a book wherein they tell you how to fix it without being aware of it. Right. So awareness is right. is the first, and the other is to make oneself available for help, uh, inner healing, and healing between you and a healer. Healers come in all forms. Friends, priests, rabbis, imams, um, they come in the forms of uh, counselors and therapists and um, uh, people who aren't really have a label of healer, but they're everywhere. There's a study uh, done in a hospital several decades ago on the fact that on this floor of the hospital, um, People were discharged on the West Wing quicker than they were discharged on the East Wing of the hospital. And so they ran studies of the nursing staff to find out if the nursing staff was doing things differently. And no, because the nursing staff was virtually shared on both of these wings at times, they also studied to see if the doctors were uh, in, in mass more prone to be on one end or the other. Uh, that was not a factor either. Um, then they did room decoration. That wasn't a factor. They got down to the custodial staff, and they found that on the West Wing, there was this one lady who was a, an environmental engineer, used to be called janitor, and she would spend time with each of the patients on the West Wing when she was on duty, and she was a natural healer. She brought positives into the room. She was an encourager. And though she was not in the room long, maybe it was to take out a, a garbage bag or two or to wipe down something or to mop the floor very quickly, 
She was a gifted individual who knew how to provide hope to the people by what she chose to talk with them about. So healers are everywhere, and they may not be called healers, but if you know of one, in your heart you know them. That's another reason, another way that the pain body can be healed is through spending time with encouraging people who give hope, who knit us to the human family, and who reinstill trust in future. And that brings up a good point about how important community is versus isolation. Absolutely. That's where our healing is, is like I believe you noted last week on our podcast how you were able to enlist the help of others in your own mother's death. Mm-hmm. And that was healing for me, yes. you know, to, to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. But when we isolate ourselves and we focus on all of the pain, I imagine that just grows that pain body. Mm-hmm. Yes, because the ego wants to separate us. They, it wants us to think that we're different and that things don't apply to us and that we are, in a way, it cuts us, cuts us away from needing people. Mm-hmm. Um, and when the ego is given a lot of me in the pain body, it uh, makes a heyday with pain. Yeah. And for the ego type 8, you're either with me or against me. So mm-hmm. easy to separate ourselves from others. Very easy to do that. And so it's important. I know as part of my spiritual practice to be in a community of people that are uplifting. Absolutely. Encouragers, installation of hope, and the reinstallation of trust for the future. However brief that future might be, trust in the future is very important and in the divine. Wow, that's really good. So any final words about the pain body? Just that the Enneagram in its spiral upward of consciousness, when we go around to each of the energies, and we do, you know, we don't stay at our point of integration. We move on against our arrow to the next Enneagram number or energy. Therefore, if I am a six, I go against my arrow to the nine, where I integrate with the positive and healthy aspects of nine. But then I continue against the arrow to the energies of the three in its positive and healthy aspects. And then back to myself again at a higher level of consciousness. And I get the hexad, which are the other six numbers, by having my wings integrate as well. So I'm able to hit and you are too, Mm -hmm. all the energies of this Enneagram that are healing energies that dissipate the pain body and elicit a healthy reaction to the difficulties that we all have to go through. Reframing them, finding meaning in those things, and finding hope and trust in the present. And not giving it power, not giving that pain body power. Very good. Well, thank you again for such uh, for for helping us through such a difficult and deep topic like Maybe the pain we body. Can hit it again uh, after this is digested, and we can talk about some specific 
other types of healing provided by the uh, Enneagram in its totality. Oh, that'd be great. Okay, well, we'll put that in the plan. I'm sure we'll get plenty of questions, too, so we can answer those. Well, thank you again, Dr. Howe, for joining us today. It was another great podcast, and thank you for listening. Thank you for being with us today. Check out our website at www.theicb.org. That's T-H-E-I-C-B dot O-R-G. If you have questions you would like to have answered on this podcast, just email us at the address on our website, theicb.org, under Contacts. And if you would like to attend one of the conferences or other events of the Institute for Conscious Being, you will find these presentations on our website under Events.